That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to I've Heard That, the podcast from Heard App Marketing that discusses digital marketing trends, tips, and more. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Megan Trapp. I'm agency director at Heard At, and uh, today I have Bailey and Max with me, uh, and we're going to discuss branding and what that means. So welcome, Bailey. Welcome, Max. Um, share with us what you do at Heard At. Max, you want to go first? You want to go, go first. first. <laughs> uh, I'm the creative director at Heard At. And I'm the content director at Heard At. Well, welcome both. So um, share with me, what is branding and what does that, what does that mean? I feel like it's important to differentiate between brand and branding. Please do. That's something that I notice gets kind of confusing for people, which is like a brand is like the outside face you are presenting to people, whereas branding is like the actual strategy of putting together that brand. So the identity, the look and feel of it. Max, would you agree with that? Yeah, the implementation of the brand, yeah, would be brand. Makes sense. So where does a business start? So they come to you and say, hey, I need a brand or I need to work on my branding. Um, where do we start with that? Boy, um, well, first thing you have to do is research, uh, interview them, um, find out why they want to change their branding. It could be something negative from their past. It could be they just need a refresh. could be that they don't need a change at all. Uh, and that's happened with us a few times where they've thought, well, you know, we've had this logo for 50 years and, you know, you take a look at it, but it's, it's actually kind of a cool logo. <laughs> You're like, well, I mean, like, if it's not broke, <laughs> you know, if there's no reason to do it other than like, I feel like we should, that's probably not necessarily a good reason. It can be, but you don't necessarily have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, but yeah, our, our process is basically just to, one, do some research, do some investigation, find out what it is that they feel like their current brand is lacking and why they uh, may want to change it. Um, and then also just researching what competitors are doing in that space and how we can help visually separate them uh, with a brand and also how, you know, where Bailey comes into play is, you know, how do we talk about this brand moving forward and why language is important. And uh, I think it's one of the more critical factors in a brand uh, that gets lost. Uh, everything, you know, the, the visuals take precedence, I think, in most people's mind, but a lot of it is how you talk about it. And uh, that's something that we uh, take a look at together, yeah, make so sure that we're representing the brand as best as possible. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I was um, going to say, so break it down. What are the elements of a brand? You mentioned logo and you're referencing like voice and the language around it, but tell me what are the elements uh, that you're, that we go through? 
Oh, there's so many. Um, I mean, first we need to identify who they are and what they do, because if we don't know that, we can't really build anything. Um, and then I think the one that's most important, and this kind of gets into what Max was saying about language, is who's your, who is your audience? Who is your target demographic? Because you have to know what they like and what they respond to in order to develop a brand that actually is something they want to engage with. Um, but then there's all kinds of theory and stuff behind what we're doing as well, because I mean... Max, we talk about color theory a lot too, with like mm. designing logos and coming up with themes for like an entire brand guide. You know, for example, Herdat has this kind of orangey, salmony color that's very youthful and energetic. Whereas, like, we've had a brand in the past that used blue, which was more of a kind of trustworthy, like stable, kind of more like fixed color, I guess you could say. So that's. I mean, that's getting a little deep, but, but uh, it's part of it. Absolutely, it's part of it. Um, yeah, color theory is a big, I mean, that's what preoccupies my time a lot is I, I really think about the color. I really think about the typography. Uh, I spend a lot of time researching type, how or why it may fit with a certain brand or what I'm thinking a certain brand is going to be working for. And I look at the historical context of how it was developed, uh, whether that's appropriate, whether that leans into the brand more. Work um, itself, you know, we do oh, probably between 100 to 300 thumbnails uh, and then winnow it down from there until we get to like kind of a, a top 10 final marks that we often end up developing in Illustrator, so it's a little bit more polished. Uh, we want to make sure that it works in black and white uh, because if it can be faxed and still look good, then that's a sign of a good mark. Um, even naming. Well, I mean, we've had to rename brands too, and that's, and that's probably the most difficult part because that's the most abstract and subjective. Like, you know, what's in the name? Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking it, about it could be anything. You're thinking about like URLs and like search engine optimization at that point too. So you're like, oh my gosh, like this name has to work for so many different things. So it's like, let's start with the most basic parts first, which is just like. And the growth <laughs> over time, because I mean, it's yeah. not just what we're starting with now, but it's like, will this grow and like grow with that brand into where they, where they want to go. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about, obviously, Herdat. We just rebranded ourselves. So tell me a little bit about what went into that. I feel like Max Ooh. and I did that for years. <laughs> it's been a long I time mean, we, coming. Yeah. We literally worked on it for two years um, and, and sort of fits and starts, but we, we, we got there eventually. Uh, the mark actually came really pretty quickly by one of our designers. Uh, it was the first one, and I knew right away that that was the best one. And like, no matter what he was going to come up with after that, um, that was probably going to be the one. But then, it, you know, you have to let's just get some variety in there just in case, and maybe something else will strike us. But it was just so strong right out of the gate that I was pretty sure that that was what was going to uh, be approved, and it was. Um, and then it was a question of like choosing type. The color was unique. Um, that getting the, getting like kind of the identity system down was fairly easy. Like it just took a while, but the process took a while, but once we got there, it was, you know, implementing that was fairly straightforward. And then it's just kind of everything around that. Um, 
that's what took the longest. (laughs) Yeah. So then it was, yeah, Bailey and I talking a lot about what we wanted, how we wanted to visually represent it, how we wanted to uh, verbally and written communicate uh, how this was going to go. You know, picking kind of like a uh, mood board and the, the types of illustrations I wanted to use, the types of stock that I would allow, uh, everything had to have a point of view. Um, we weren't just going to, if we were using stock, it had to be like the complete opposite of what, if we were doing a blog post about, I don't know, content marketing, for example. And if you typed in content marketing into a stock search engine, everything that would come up, ignore it. We would just throw that all out the window. Anything obvious is gone. Everything had to be like kind of like a wink or a nudge or a little bit ironic, and but have a point of view and sometimes be snarky and sometimes um, just to show that, you know, it's, we've been doing this for a long time now uh, as a company and, you know, there's a way forward and um, I just don't want it to be the most obvious answer. I would like, uh, just from an, from an art direction standpoint for the help, uh, for those graphics to help support those articles in a way that helps people think. Um, and even sometimes it's just little stuff that I don't think people necessarily get. Uh, I recently, recently did a blog graphic about, um, uh, Instagram copying TikTok, and the photo was, it was a retro photo of a lady and the dog mimicking her on the beach. No one caught it, but like, it's just little <laughs> stuff like that, where if you do catch it, it's just, it makes you smile. Um, but yeah, that's, I just wanted to, we just really wanted to have a point of view and to separate ourselves out from um, other agencies that I, I think that's been the trend for the last few years is not just agencies, just as companies in general, just trying to um, blend in. Blend in and as be as generic as possible so as not to offend anyone, um, which is silly. I mean, you can have a point of view and not be offensive as well. Let's, um, but for the whole goal. And so far, we've been, you know we've been working with this brand, our new brand, for about a year, and it's been it's gone well. I think. Yeah, I think the hardest part of developing it though was just getting the story down because, yes. like the look and feel came a lot faster, but like actually nailing down how to tell a story over the course of 10 years in like a single paragraph about like our mission, our values, that's really hard to develop. Cause like, obviously you want to say as much as you can to get people on the side of your brand, but you have to be really careful in choosing words and also kind of picking the vibe that you want to put off. So, um, that I think honestly is why it took us so long to come up with it is we were just like, okay, we know how we want to look and how we want to present ourselves, but how do we actually tell our story? How do we tell people who we are? Because I mean, if we're just like, we're a media marketing and an entertainment company people are like, what is that? Like how, how do you even define that? So it really did all boil down to storytelling. So we were talking about, um, just using storytelling as a means to create memorable experiences. So that's like kind of the base of our brand foundation. Yeah, and I think we, it's, we knew um, that fairly early on with, with how the logo was designed and, but then like actually getting down the brass tacks and like, okay, so what does that mean? 
I think that did take us a while to kind of figure out like, how are we telling stories or like, it was clear that we were, but it was, how does it fit? Putting it, putting it into words, putting our feelings into words. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, I mean, merging, we had several different companies that had kind of all come together over the course of the year. So we had to like find an identity that fit all of them in a way that felt natural. So, um, so yeah, if, I mean, there's people who are just creating a brand for the first time, people who are rebranding, people who are trying to combine a bunch of companies, like it is very possible to do it. We've done it. <laughs> Well, it's like getting down to our elevator pitch of how we project ourselves, whether that's in like the imagery or our logo or the voice of our blog article or the image we selected for our blog article or how we talk about ourselves even on this podcast. It could be the first time that someone's coming into contact with our brand. And so how is that consistent from medium to medium and across time? Um, so I think you guys did an awesome job really nailing that down um, from like the abstract to like what it would be more in a more concrete way so that whether it's um, like different writers or um, different um, like channels or mediums that we're using or, or showcasing our brand, it, it's consistent and it still rings true and authentic to who we are. So nice job, guys. Um, <laughs> share with us um, some of your predictions for 2021. Um, what... Is what does that mean for brands? Uh, no, I mean um, my prediction from the year prior uh, was that it was kind of going to kind of go in this route where people were going to start producing work with more of a point of view um, and a little, you know, moving away from kind of the generic illustration and the the soft colors and uh, really start to put. Uh, a stake in the ground visually um, to see what they can kind of come up with. And I think the pandemic has just supercharged that because now you're seeing a lot of creative work happening and uh, those designers and artists are learning new skills because they're stuck at home and this is the perfect time to do it. And so uh, they're also getting down to like, you know what I really like are 60s psychedelic posters and I'm going to design everything like that. Uh, and so you're really seeing this eclectic style kind of come through. So like there's the psychedelic poster kind of look, there's uh, kind of like the, the seventies aesthetic of like flat design, which is uh, uh, Burger King just rebranded and it really encapsulate, encapsulates that like, 70s aesthetic reminds me of like what it kind of looked like when I was a young boy, um, which I dig a lot. Um, uh, what, what were some of the other ones? Um, surrealism, uh, comic art and pop art, especially. You can kind of see these trends starting to happen. Like if you go to like Shutterstock or Adobe Stock, you can start to see more and more of those are filtering into the results. Um, and that's a kind of a good barometer of where things are headed. But to me, that's a sign that just the public at large or business at large um, are looking for more unique, uh, be it commission, be it be a stock. They just want something different than we've been kind of stuck in this like flat design for, I don't know, since 2013 to yeah about 2013 yeah. 2012 
And so I think, you know, there's a reaction to that. And so you're starting to see a lot of like grit, a lot of texture on things. There's a little bit more of a DIY punk rock vibe. Um, Rizzo printing, which was, it's been big in the zine circles uh, and in comics. I'm starting to see that kind of look and feel uh, become more prominent and digitally recreated, um, which is, uh, yeah, it's just, I think a lot of people have taken the time during the pandemic to learn a few new things, uh, maybe let themselves get their hands dirty uh, with using actual analog materials, uh, getting, getting covered in ink, uh, getting covered in paint. And it's starting to show in the work that is being produced. Uh, if you go out on Instagram, if you go out on Dribble, you can just kind of tell there's just a little bit more experimentation and uh, a lot of attention to craft. Uh, I'm seeing some really difficult to pull off techniques um, that you wouldn't ex- have expected and haven't been in, uh, really been seen the last few years. So. It's, just, it's exciting. Even what you're saying too um, translates to the kind of messaging that people are bringing as well. Um, there was a lack of substance for a while. And I think consumers are starting to notice that, especially after everything that happened in the summer of 2020 with um, the protests and just more social activism, a lot of brands started coming out and saying like, we are taking a stance, but then consumers were like, okay, cool. But what are you, what are we actually doing to back up that stance. So I think there's going to be a shift in kind of what Max was saying, where people were so worried about, you know, saying anything that, excuse me, um, that now there's going to be pressure to actually kind of have a personality, have a place, like have a position on stuff. So that'll be really interesting to watch. Yeah. The other thing I've seen uh, is uh, people of color uh, putting their work out there. Um, especially in June uh, during the mm-hmm. protests. Uh, there was just, I feel like Instagram just exploded an African-American artist uh, or people representing different people of color and culture uh, in their art. And, you know, it's nice to see that finally start to happen, uh, that, you know, re- representation matters and that it's, it's getting out there in the world. And I, I, I'll, people finally feel free to share that point of view. Again, it comes down to the point of view. And those are strong points of views that haven't had an opportunity to shine. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because like I know a lot of businesses and brands were worried about kind of putting themselves out there in that sense. And I mean, obviously you always want to be like cognizant of that, but there is a sense of like, you could potentially gain more customers by actually saying things that matter to you, like sharing your values with your customers. I mean, one of my favorites is Ben and Jerry's like great ice cream, first of all, (laughs) but they've been very adamant about sharing like their social activism opinions. And it's been paying off because they have tons of followers and fans. And I mean, I'm pretty sure it gave their, their ice cream sales a boost last year. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the brands that comes to mind for me is Ulta because they also um, just released their own skincare line that's um, like vegan and cruelty free. So like mm-hmm. um, making like connecting with that audience and another um, post that I just saw was for their um, black owned skincare 
um, Mm -hmm. line. So they're connecting on like multiple different levels with multiple audiences, but they're taking, putting their stake in the ground saying, Hey, here, here are some causes that we support and here's how our brand connects with them. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think it's so much more than, um, Max mentioned the artwork, but like thinking how that translates into what a brand is selling or messaging or like what they're doing. Yeah. Awesome. What are other brands that are, either connecting with you and doing it right or brands that are maybe missing the mark for you? Well, we both talked about uh, with the the Burger King rebrand, we both were gushing over that. (laughs) But then we were also, both of us saw the recent Petco rebrand and we're like, what were they thinking? Oh, oh, guys, (laughs) I have thoughts. (laughs) And that's an example of like, man, talk about, you, you took like, Maybe the logo, the the old logo wasn't the best, but at least it had some personality to it. And it just, like, it's just become the equivalent of a 2006 Hyundai Elantra. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> so for people who don't know what we're talking about here, um, Petco, their original logo was um, kind of a red color, and they had a dog and a cat within the logo itself. And the font was pretty cutesy, I'd say. Um, it was and, very like 1982. Yes. And they updated it recently. They dropped the dog and cat off of the logo and made their <laughs> their logo just like this kind of blah navy color, I, I which would make so much sense for an insurance company if you're like, yep, just insurance. <laughs> but like your pet co, you, you work with pets. Like that is They're such so a cute. fun... Yeah, it's a fun, cute that. business. Why yeah. flatten it to be boring? I, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. But, I think that's an example of, you know, just being scared to update their look in any meaningful fashion and not wanting to alienate anyone, which is silly because it's a pet store. Like, <laughs> there's this There's this whole trend of, like, modernizing everything like you've seen yeah. it with like apartment buildings and logos and just everything where everything is getting really flattened and kind of has no color whatsoever um yeah, <laughs> she, so that she lives in a home that's exactly like that but <laughs> it's it's so weird to me that like they're doing that across the board and it's like why though why wouldn't you want to like stand out and get people's attention like even the blue for the logo type is like I wouldn't even call it a blue. It's just like bleh. Like it's just yeah. Yeah, it's like there's nothing. Like I can't even tell you. It's like well, it's kind of got a little green in it. It's kind of got a little purple in it. Kind. It's just so. It's just kind of there. Like it's just it's just weird. It was a total missed opportunity. Hopefully, we'll see how long it sticks. I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) On the, on the flip side, um, as far as brands that I really like, um, two that I'm a big fan of, it, both in consumption personally and um, in terms of how they present themselves on their social media platforms, um, Netflix is one of them, mm-hmm. and Sparknotes is the other. Um, Sparknotes is the, well, what we all used to use in, in school, and we're like, oh, I didn't read that chapter of that book. What Summarize it for me. <laughs> um, but uh, both of them really have this understanding of internet culture and especially memes and they're connecting with their audiences through like meme messaging on a level that I have not seen other brands doing it as well. So 
that is definitely a understand your audience. Cause like spark notes is catering to high school and college students, um, Netflix to all of us at the moment. Cause what else are we doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, you can share so much more when you have kind of an understanding of what it is you all enjoy. And like, I get this meme, you get this meme, we all get this meme. <laughs> Netflix is funny too, because, you know, that's kind of what I've been saying is that I think we're going to be railing against the algorithm and Netflix is the algorithm. Yeah. And they're able to do a really good job of connecting to their audience, regardless of, that perception. Um, yeah, they're an interesting company. Well, they actually changed their, um, their title cards in their like homepage, um, in their user interface based on what you click on. So that's really interesting to me too, because they are totally studying like what, what images, what screen grabs do you like? And Mm -hmm. that's also what they're doing on their social media pages too, is they're looking at the screen grabs that people keep liking. Interesting. Just (laughs) <laughs> thank you Netflix. It's all data. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they know how to use our data for optimal enjoyment um, but that's I mean that's really what you want your brand to be algorithms aside uh, but you want it to resonate a feeling at the end of the day um, you know what can you say about Netflix other than I like Netflix. I mean, ultimately that's what you're just like, you know exactly what you're getting. You feel good about that choice. And that's ultimately what a a brand should do. There's that intangible feeling of like, yes, this is the right choice despite, you know, logic or whatever else. It just, Apple is the ultimate example of that where the, you just feel good with an Apple product sometimes uh, depending on, how you feel about Apple, of course, but like it's a well-designed, like an iPhone is a well-designed phone and it's a tiny little computer and it elicits an emotional response, um, either positively or negatively in some cases, those people running over to Samsungs. But those Samsungs are still basically <laughs> to some, some, some extent purposes. Like they've just been, that design has been copied. Um, because it does elicit a reaction, an emotional response. Well, even think about, I mean, some of your top brands right now. So like your Googles, your Amazons, like people have used those terms, like those brand names as verbs because mm-hmm. they have completely dominated a space. So like if someone's getting a delivery item, they're like, oh yeah, I'm getting an Amazon to my home. And it's like, well, is it actually from Amazon or, <laughs> or are you just saying, and same thing with Google, like, you don't say like, I'm going to go type a question into a search engine field. You're like, I'm going to go Google that. Like Kleenex is the same way. Tupperware is like, it's, it's so weird how certain brands can like build up this, this kind of identity to the point where it is the thing within the culture. So not that everybody's going to have that. You're not going to be a Google necessarily. If you're like, I only work in a local market, but you can, dominate your local market by really being out there and like having people get the name recognition and know your face, know what you care about. So that's what we recommend is like, make sure people know who you are. And what you're not. And what you're not. You can, I mean, that's almost as important too. Um, in some regards. 
Yeah, that's a great um, kind of segue. So where does a small business start or how do they know if it's time to reevaluate? Well, yeah, that's a good question. So we've given a lot of answers about big brands. Um, for small brands, and, you know, those who maybe have a small business or are thinking about rebranding and have listened to this podcast thinking, I don't have some money for all this. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be that complicated. <laughs> you know, it, it, the amount of work that goes into it depends upon, um, you know, where you're at in the marketplace and what are you trying to accomplish? And if you're just a, somebody owns a small business, maybe one or two employees, and you're just like, yeah, I kind of feel like I need a logo refresh and uh, maybe a little update and how you write copy, but I don't need like a brand guy. That seems like a lot, you know, like, Hey, no problem. We've got a solution for you. Um, it can be as this, that's all those steps would still apply. Um, but in a lot of cases, especially as a small business, uh, the research that goes into it isn't necessarily as much, um, because oftentimes those small businesses are kind of niche already. And so it makes it, uh, the, the research time uh, gets cut down dramatically uh, from that point. Um, you can kind of start to look, okay, here's, after talking with them and knowing their budget, like here's a good solution for you. We think this would be great. Uh, what do you think? And at the end of the day, it is subjective. And it is how it makes them feel as well as how it makes your customers feel. Um, so if they can get behind it, their customers will get behind it. Um, that's important. And we also don't want to give them anything that they're on. They, I always want them to have a hundred percent satisfaction with what we're delivering. Uh, because if it's even just 90%, I don't think we hit the mark then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not good enough. In my opinion, it needs to be, hundred percent needs to please them. And it's a, a lot of times it's a give and take. Um, it's a discussion. It's a debate. You know, we go back and forth on the merits of all of it. And there's some things that I think, Oh, this will be a home run, um, that they are uncomfortable with. And then it's like, okay, well, it's time to reassess, you know, that you have to be comfortable with it. Um, I think there are ways too that like, even before you would look at, rebranding or creating a brand for the first time is just kind of going through some basic exercises, like pick five words that define your business. Like that's a really easy way to start. So if you're like, I want to be trustworthy, reliable, um, authentic, uh, fast. Um, let's see one more honest. Like if you go with those, um, that gives you kind of a starting point where you're like, all right, I know I want to come off of as this, then you could, whether it's through surveys, audience research, competitor research, then you can kind of look at what is your audience, your audience or target demographic responding to. Um, and you can kind of start to see how those, those five words that you chose could align with how you would present yourself to them. Um, and then from there, it's what Max is talking about. You start looking at designing and picking out typography and everything, but yeah, well, we did it ourselves, too. I mean, we, we did a little brand exercise near the beginning of our uh, project where we did the kind of define, I think it was 10, actually. I think it was 10, 10 we are and 10 we aren't. Um, and we did it as a director level group, if I remember correctly. Yes. That was Just how we all ago. That's so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
then we kind of chose as a group, like the 10 that we were and the 10 that we weren't. Um, five is a perfectly acceptable number two. I think 10 can get a little overwhelming. Um, so, but I think it is important to define who you aren't. Well, and I think to that point to get everyone on the same page too, like as we grow and scale, like maybe you just mentioned like, Hey, you're a small business and you only have a couple employees, but you're looking to, to grow and scale, making sure that it's defined so that everyone is um, representing it in the same way. It's not just like my perception of our brand is these five mm-hmm. words and not these five things, but your perception is this and that, then it's not um, really representing the same thing. It's actually like two separate versions of your brand. So how do you um, define those things? So you can represent yourself um, in like an authentic way, a consistent way. Um, I think you guys mentioned some great exercises to at least start. So. Um, another one that I'd recommend too is also thinking about your unique selling point. So mm. that's a huge one that I feel like a lot of people miss. And it doesn't have to be like, like I'm, I'm a Google. Like <laughs> you don't have to be a big brand to do that. Like your unique selling point could be like, hey, I can respond to you within 24 hours. Like if you submit a message to me, that's huge. Um, like whatever your audience is lacking currently in their market, whatever service you provide, like that's, that's huge. And if you can get that out there to them, that can do a lot for your brand. Awesome. Well, great takeaways, you guys, anything else you would want to share with um, potential businesses listening to our podcast? Don't be boring. Own it. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be boring. Um, Don't be afraid to try something new. But also, don't be afraid to stick with what you have. In some cases, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yep. if, if it's working for you, it's working for you. But yeah, if you're if you're feeling like you need something to change it up a little bit, like lean into the weird. <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah, I've actively talked people out of doing a redesign <laughs> before. So I'm just like, it's it's fine. There's no you know, there's no there there. It's, just stick with what you got. You've already got a good brand, especially if the, like the longer they've been in the market, you know, that longevity matters. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just weird enough. It's unique enough. It's fine. Nice. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys joining me today. Um, remember to like and subscribe to our podcast. Um, so thank you, Max and Bailey. Thank you, Megan. I've Heard That is a part of the Heard At Media Network. For more information, follow Heard At on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, or visit HeardAtMarketing.com. A Heard At Media Production.